It was announced today, sadly. Well, it actually wasn't announced today that Brendan Hartley was leaving at Toro Rosso Racing. Uh, it was announced that they've employed someone else to take his drive. Uh, we're joined now by Mike Clark, F1 aficionado, long-time guest of the program, as we look at the roughly the year-long tenure in the Toro Rosso seat of Brendan Hartley. Mike, not great news, but to a degree, I think a lot of us really saw it coming, didn't we? We've seen it coming because it's been talked about for so long that he's been hanging on by his fingernails. And, uh, you know, I suppose the one thing that I hope happens, and that is that whether it's in 10 years, 20 years, 30 years, that Brendan looks back at this and remembers it for what it was. And I'd like to remember it as the fairy tale that was his the announcement that he would be coming into Formula One at the United States Grand Prix last year because he'd given up. I I guess deep down he always held a a hope that there would be a chance that he would get into Formula One, but pretty much his career had gone off into a completely different direction with sports car racing. And so that was that was the fairy tale. And I mean, you and I spoke about it at the time. I think I just about got interviewed by every oh. uh, um, everyone at Radio Sport. It was it was fantastic, and um, it, it was a marvelous story. And to some extent, that fairy tale has, from time to time this year, turned out to be a bit of a nightmare. But with the passing of time, and the and if he never drives a Formula One car ever again. I just hope he can look back with the pride that he was there. He was there for an entire season. He wasn't just one of these drivers that comes along and does the odd race. He certainly didn't buy himself into a drive because, you know, he had a a father who's a squillionaire, like uh, one of at least one of the um, his rivals in Formula One. And he managed to see out an entire season. And that's something. I mean, it's called a piranha pool for a very good reason, Darcy, because it is one. And he survived a piranha pool for an entire year. And that's something that he, I hope, if not right now, but in time can look back with uh, with some pride. Well, he got out of the piranha pool, didn't he? Or well, he was fished out or thrown out of the piranha pool uh, by a Red Bull, only to dive straight back in again, which is not too dissimilar with what happened to the guy who's coming back and in, in Daniel uh, Kvyat, um, who also yeah. got gassed by Toro Rosso and, and Red Bull. Then he found himself back in again. So is it really the end for Brendan Hartley if a guy like Kvyat can get back uh, in the pool again, or am I just grasping at straws here, Mike? <laughs> Yeah, well, uh, of course it's possible because you've just outlined a scenario where someone's doing it. Uh, Now, if you were going to analyse the two situations, Kvyat's a fair bit younger than Brendan, and I guess they sell more tins of Red Bull in Russia than can ever be sold in New Zealand. Whether that matters at the end of the day, who knows? I don't think it hurts. So the question really now for Brendan is what happens next? And uh, if it's not Formula One and... I suggested to Daniel McCarty a couple of weeks ago on the radio, and I heard Bob this morning talking to the Breakfast Boys pretty much saying exactly the same thing. And that is that if Red Bull, as the umbrella organization encompassing both the Red Bull and the Toro Rosso teams, had any sense, you'd think that they'd want to have the experience of Brendan within that tent. being the reserve driver, being the test driver for not just two cars, but four cars, because that can happen. And he could provide a huge amount of feedback because we know that unlike some guys who just can drive a Formula One car, 
He's one of those guys who can do it, but he can also help develop and provide analysis and uh, feedback for the development of the Honda engines, and that's going to be crucial. And Darcy, I've lost count how many years now. Is it three or four or five even that we've been saying next year will be Honda's year? <laughs> and, you know, I mean, uh, there's no secret what a card-carrying Fernando Alonso freak I am, and I've been hoping against hope against all of the the uh, the orange mist that's been spat out of the McLaren factory as to how good their chassis was if only they had a decent engine behind them. And it's all been a, um, it's all been a charade. So hopefully... Uh, the Honda engine can do something in the in the off season. Uh, you say, hopefully. Well, why would we be saying that if Brendan's not involved? Well, hopefully Brendan can have a part in in in, in getting that uh, those cars to the front of the grid. And Honda may well see some value in Brendan for that. But if I was Brendan, I'm sure he's got his people already looking at his options. And the Honda connection might not be a bad thing if one of those options happens to be the Indianapolis 500. Well, if you want to draw a long bow, and we'll get to that shortly, though, when you look at the release that said they'd picked up Alexander Alban, and they didn't mention anything about dropping Hartley out of the back, out of the trailer. So maybe we could read something into that along the lines of what you're saying, because he's more than a just a warm prop in the cockpit. He's a, he's a conduit, and I think that's extremely valuable. So a tiny bit of hope. But moving on, he, he turned away uh, an IndyCar drive to, to run with Toro Rosso, an opportunity to maybe go back there. That's just one of, I suppose, a number of opportunities he's got. It's not like the bloke's going to be on, on the dole line, is it now? Absolutely not. No, he, I mean, he will be recognised, as I say, not just for his driving ability, but for his development and his engineering skills uh, in, in helping make a car go faster rather than just one of those guys who can simply drive a car fast. So I, I can certainly see that he is, um, for all I know, he's he's still in the, on Porsche's radar. He's presumably on Honda's radar um, after what he's achieved this year. So uh, hopefully Red Bull also have him in their sights as well as somebody who they see can offer something to the combined Red Bull, Toro Rosso, Formula One teams and uh, be, be that reserve driver. Who knows? I mean, Verstappen could, you know, chip a fingernail or something next year and all of a sudden there's a driver that needs to be whistled up and Brendan's already in the paddock at Spa or Monaco or wherever that happens to be. It has happened. And just looking back at his, his very short career, it was a full year, though, as you pointed out. Some guys don't last that long. They'd half a race if they're lucky. Contributions to uh, the fact that he's no longer been signed up. Some of it's him some of it's the engine, and some of it's the yahoos that he shares the track with. You could almost spread it equally across those three factors, couldn't you, Mike? Oh, absolutely, um, Darcy. There has been a bit of Brendan involved in it. I mean, had he been quicker than Gasly everywhere, even if he hadn't have scored the same number of points for whatever reasons, then he would probably have kept his drive. But the numbers don't lie, and he's got two points, and Gasly's got whatever he's got, and I, that's one of the major contributing factors. But uh, he has been there not just for a season. He, remember, he did the last um, the last bit of 2017 as well, and he's done it with credibility. He's had a. I know some people don't believe in luck, whether it's good or bad, but whatever you want to call it, he's had some bad stuff go on. And uh, you know, I remember once Chris Amon telling me that he and Brendan were both born in the Palmerston North Hospital, and I've often thought to myself. What 
curse was ever placed on any child born in the Palmerston North uh, Hospital who went on to become a Formula One driver because Brendan has had a fair amount of bad luck and of course we know how much bad luck Chris had in his career. So it's not great news but it's, it's news that w- was expected even though we didn't want it but definitely not the end. He's still relatively young at 29 years old and I think he's still got a very viable career in whatever he wants to do. I mean Porsche don't have an LMP1 program, I mean, that program's gone altogether but there are so many categories globally that a guy like that could be whisked into. It's just another chapter and what I've seen as being a stunning career. I mean he's won Le Mans, he's a world champion, he's got so much more to offer. Hell yeah, and the other thing which I've been very impressed by during the course of 2018 is that Brendan has proven to be an excellent interview. He has, he's eloquent. He's he comes up with not just the, the the bland standard sort of responses to the questions that are put to him. He he had he's he's interesting. Uh, he's clearly very intelligent. And those sort of things matter. People take notice of that. And the people that take notice are the people that matter. And it might be that it's the Chip Ganassis or somebody in America who's already made phone calls, who already knows uh, where Brendan's future might be next year. And Brendan might already know where his future is next year and can't quite say it yet. So, yeah, let's just keep our powder dry, Darcy. I've not, uh, uh, it's upsetting. Uh, well, I heard the news on Radio Sport. It, uh, it was the lead item on the six o'clock news this morning. Not really what you want to start the day with, but not the end of the world. And for someone of his ability, it's just a chance to uh, open up to what the next phase of his career is going to be. And on that, Mike, we'll let you get back to morning. Mike Clark, Formula One aficionado, thank you very much for your time and opinion. Anytime, Darcy.